chip on the floor, man. Some neighbors were saying way too loud. That's only in the morning. Welcome in, everybody, to a brand new episode of the world-famous Loose Lug Nuts podcast, the NASCAR podcast by the average fan for the average fan. I'm Evan Roberts, and last week I lied because I said Thomas Dick never takes a vacation, and the next episode he decides to take a vacation. So we are joined again by special guest and dear friend of the program, Luke Hillen. And Luke, we uh, have four races in Texas this weekend. What were your overall thoughts of the weekend? Yeah, we're getting to the point where I'm, I'm a little bit more than, than a special guest here. It's, yeah. it's kind of interesting. I'm getting used to this. Um, I miss, I miss Thomas. Hopefully you and I have the same rapport that, that he and I built in your absence. So uh, yeah, I thought all in all, it was a pretty good weekend in Texas. You know, the all-star race was, was different. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit, but it was interesting. And, and I do like the concept of, of lumping in points races for the truck series and the Xfinity series in the same weekend as the all-star race. So. Yeah. And you'll uh, get it Thursday off or Friday, Friday's episode off, and then you'll be back next week while I take another vacation. Yeah. Whatever you say, man, y- y'all, y'all just tell me and, and I'll be here. So. Before we get into the uh, NASCAR races, I wanted to talk about uh, SRX, the superstar racing experience that debuted on Saturday. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. You and I were texting throughout it. And we might become the SRX podcast by the average fan for the average fan. What do you think of it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that having watched the very first SRX race of all time, we, we may be more than average fans of the SRX. We, we could be diehards for the SRX, which is, you know, different than our NASCAR fanship. But I, I thought it was really neat. Uh, I thought, I think a lot of the intrigue came from just the different concept, the way it's structured, the, the fact that it's different, um, the fact that you've got a bunch of retired drivers and some not retired drivers from other series and you know, I, th- I thought it was just a, a fun deal all in all, but you know, you got Elio Castroneves that just won the Indy 500 less than a month ago. Uh, Bill Elliott, you got the the local guys out there too, which adds a neat little wrinkle, but, but I thought, I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I think that obviously there's some kinks that they uh, need to work out, but I thought it was very entertaining. And, you know, when the local guy was trying to pass Michael Walter, if I text you, I was like, that was pretty freaking cool. Cause he had the whole uh, crowd behind him and, just the whole thing of you're trying to pass a two-time Daytona 500 winner. You're beating, you know, uh, Andretti. You're beating Bill Elliott. You're beating all these guys that everybody knows. I think the nostalgia uh, effect really helped the intrigue. Yeah, totally agree. <laughs> yeah, Bill Elliott's actually not as old as I thought he was. Uh, I looked it up after the last podcast, and uh, he's, he's 65, which obviously that is uh, significantly older than most of the other drivers in the field. But Bill Elliott being out there was really cool. Uh, Jeff Gluck for The Athletic actually wrote a really, a really good piece kind of covering uh, the entire weekend of SRX. And it sounds like the fan experience was just awesome. They, they did a big uh, autograph deal where any of the fans that showed up early could come in that period of time. And it, it sounded like it was just a, a really cool deal. So um you know different things like the the time trials and the backup cars and stuff like that was also a neat little twist um it's kind of crazy in the middle of in the middle of the race you've got somebody that had some sort of I can't remember who it was I I should have taken better notes but there was an electrical issue on one of the cars and they were literally just staying it was a Bill Elliott yeah yeah so they're they were staying under caution and they were just going to keep running caution laps until he could fix it. If it took too long, they were going to roll out the backup car, <laughs> which is, which is wild, but I, I kind of liked it. Yeah. There was a uh, bill. Alley. They were doing the, the caution laps before the race started and he lost fuel pressure, which yeah, is, fuel pressure. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I mean, that's something that I like, like it's something that was built for the fans. They had 10,000 fans there. It looked packed to the gills and it looked pretty damn exciting. And I mean, obviously there's some other kinks they need to work out. Like the, they were trying, Danica Patrick was trying to talk to a couple of the drivers and like, you could just tell they were using audio. Like it wasn't connected to like the actual TV. It was like, you're trying yeah. to get through their microphone, just like little stuff like that. But all in all, I thought it was a great presentation and something that we'll uh, look forward to. But I thought it was cool that you get the nostalgia effect. And like you say, uh, Helio Castro Neves had just won the Indy 500s racing at the short track probably. I don't know when the last time he had raced in the, the stock car of sorts, but it was pretty exciting. 
Yeah, no question. Yeah, I, I liked Danica's insight on the broadcast too. And obviously, I think Alan Bestwick is one of the best in the business. I really enjoyed him on there um, and would love to see him get back in, involved in NASCAR with, with NBC or Fox or if there's somebody new hopping in in future years. But, but yeah, no, I, I mean, they did it the right way, it seems like. And then the uh, other name that I noticed was uh, Matt Yoakum. I haven't seen him in a while. Yeah. He's doing, down on pit road doing some interviews. So all in all, it's pretty exciting. So hopefully they can build on that and keep everything going. I think they got five more races coming up uh, over the next Saturdays. But I mean, I think the question going forward is, is how many, how many times over the course of their season is a superstar going to win? I think that the track, the local is going to be the favorite at every track they go to. Especially if all the cars are kind of built the same because they don't, not every driver has their own crew chief. Right, so right. It would yep. be pretty similar. And then, you know, I mean, um, I forget the guy's name that won, but I mean, the local, he knew how to pass on the high side when things were getting tight. And uh, I think that showed when he passed Walter. But all in all, it's pretty exciting. And I mean, it's cool for the short track drivers that are able to win. No question. I would encourage all of our listeners to give it a try. I think it's, I think it's worth tuning into. And again, it's short. It was like 100 laps, so it doesn't yeah. take up too much of your day. But I thought it was pretty exciting. Easy watch. Yeah. So as we get to the truck race over at Texas Motor Speedway, I don't know what would have been a better drinking game would have been if they mentioned the PJ1 or the traction compound or if they talked about how hot it was in Texas. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Texas heat was, the, was a theme throughout every broadcast for, for the truck race, the Xfinity race, the open and the all-star race. They, they couldn't get over how hot it was. Uh, the PJ, the PJ one, you kind of get used to at this point, them talking yeah. about it on tracks where it's out there, but. So when we do officially play our traction compound drinking game, we'll take one drink for when they say traction compound, two drinks when they say PJ one. That's perfect. Yeah. And early on in stage one, we would have been drinking heavily because on lap seven, Sheldon Creed got up into the attraction compound and ended up in the wall to start things off. And then during the caution, I believe you picked Matt Crafton to win. Uh, he lost power and had to come in and get it fixed and fell a lap down. Yeah. Yeah. I did pick Matt Crafton. It was a bummer to see that early on. And, and it was kind of a theme for him throughout the race, but you could tell the, the, the traction compound was going to play a big factor all weekend long and early on it got Sheldon Creed. So. And then uh, the traction compound or the PJ one, if you really want to get drunk, took a two nothing lead over Sheldon Creed uh, as he wrecks again and ends up out of the race. Yep. You know, getting used to it, and I'll get into it when we talk about the Cup race. But when I when I listen in on these guys uh, on these guys' radios, it, it, they're all talking about it too, and they're getting reports from their spotters on what other drivers are doing and having success doing, and what line they're running, and how much. I mean, I heard stuff like so and so, so and so is running uh, running two tires through the PJ one through turn three, but not through turn one, something like that. You know, so. It's it uh, like what uh, Sheldon Creed did. He had his right side was in the traction compound and then he just got too loose back into the truck, ended up into the wall and he was done for the day. Yeah. Yeah. And then we, uh, we had another caution that ended the first stage. And to me, the race kind of got off to a slow start. I don't know if you felt this way, but it felt like we only had like 10 green flag laps. Well, yeah, but it's the truck series. I mean, every race seems that way. These guys and and Texas, Texas is probably the fastest the fastest track on the circuit, and, and so when you get these guys out there flying around and you get the traction compound involved, it, it's it's the nature of it. it's a lot of cautions. And it's part of why I thought Matt Crafton would do well here is because he's got more experience. But yeah, just it was just too hot, you know. Yeah, that yeah, truck couldn't handle it. So uh, John Hunter Nemechek came away with the stage win. It was Kyle Busch Motorsports' 13th stage win at Texas uh, in the truck series. He was followed by Austin Hill, Ben Roach, Chandler Smith, and Stuart Friesen to round out the top five. As we got into stage two, we saw Todd Gilliland and Chase Elliott um, short pitting, and it paid off as they started on the front row. Uh, Gilliland was leading a little bit, but then uh, Chase ended up getting the lead after a couple laps. Yeah, it was good to see Chase running up front. You know, uh, stage one was a little bit slow for him, uh, but but he has stated that he struggles at Texas, and that's why he ran this race. And so uh, good to see him get up front there. Um, but then, you know, uh, shortly after in stage two, it looked like Stuart Friesen 
I think he was in the top 10 at the time. He, he got spun on the back stretch and that, that brought out a caution there with, with Chase up in front. Yeah, Friesen uh, got taken out uh, on lap 53, brought out another caution, ended his day, and it looked like he was going to have another strong run. So some bad luck for Friesen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and during stage two also, Matt Crafton had kind of made his way back up to 16th. He was, I think he had a pretty strong, pretty strong car, but another deal lost power again, fell back all the way to 31st. Apparently the power came back on before he had to pit, but he was, he was dealing with issues, issues all day. Um, but other than that, that was pretty much how stage two kind of ran out. Uh, Zane Smith ended up actually winning the stage because of some of the, some of the craziness with short pitting and stuff like that. But yeah, we saw some guys in the top five that we usually don't really see. Zane Smith did win the stage. Second place was Tanner Gray, Derek Krause third, Brennan Poole fourth, and then Josh Berry uh, rounded out the top five. We got into stage three, and the highlight for me came when Jamie Little gave a report and she was talking about how Chase Elliott's pit crew is actually Tyler Reddick's cup pit crew. And, you know, to me, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like the guys are just getting extra work or whatever. And then Joey Logano, who was up in the booth, go, yeah, it's a bit awkward. It's like watching your girlfriend date someone else. And I was kind of, <laughs> what? <laughs> and, and it's funny that, that you noticed that, too, because I texted you. Uh, yeah. I, I texted you something along the lines of like, man, Joey, Joey saying that like he's experienced his girlfriend <laughs> dating somebody else before. Yeah, like was he out like the night before and like it's like, yeah. That was really funny. Uh, but, uh, but, but it's, you know, I, I, it brings up that I really do like the concept of these cup drivers doing the color yeah. on, on these other races. It brings out a little bit of humanity in them. I think, I don't think Joey is the most popular driver in the world. And I think that when you put him up here in the booth and he, and he's a little bit human, it, it, it brings some likability for him. So well, then, like, we kind of saw that when he interviewed Kyle Busch in between the stages. Or, no, that was in the Xfinity race. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was during the Xfinity race is when he interviewed Bush after he won. And he goes, hey, this is Joey in the booth. You got me. And he just goes, oh, boy. And he's like, no, no, no. Other face. But, I mean, it just shows, you know, there's a different side to this. But I do enjoy um, – it was Keselowski and Logano up there. So I like them uh, in the booth for those races on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And, and, and that was another, and they talked about it a good bit. It was another kind of added fun concept is having cup teammates up there, both with the Penske. Yeah. So. so as we got into the final stage, it was the John Hunter Nemechek show. He was dominant throughout the final stage and got his 10th victory of his career. Well-deserved and fourth of the season. He won by over 3.3 seconds. He beat uh, Chase Elliott who finished second, Grand Infingers third, Austin Hill fourth, Chandler Smith, fifth, Zane Smith, sixth, Todd Gilliland, seventh, Tyler Ancrum, eighth, Tanner Gray, ninth, and Josh Berry, tenth. Uh, yeah, John Hunter was, he was clearly the best card down the stretch there throughout stage three. Uh, Chase finishing second was good to see, you know, obviously run a few extra laps on a track that you're not as comfortable on. So that was cool. Uh, let's see, any names that stand out? Josh Berry, was this Josh Berry's first race in that truck? Uh, I'm not sure. The big thing about uh, Josh Berry was that he also ran the Xfinity race. So props, yeah. to, especially with the weather. Like, I mean, we made joke about how much they mentioned it was hot, but it was hot. And being yeah. on both races, I was impressed with him. And he ran pretty well in both races. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, Ross Chastain, I didn't actually realize this had happened. He finished third, but the truck failed post-race inspection. Yeah. So rough weekend for Ross Chastain in the inspection garage. He, uh, <laughs> he, he was a bad boy. He was a bad boy this weekend. Hey man, rules were meant to be broken. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. So as we look at the point standings for the truck race, John Hunter Nemechek with his four wins leads the series by 78 points over Ben Rhodes, who has two wins. Others that are in the playoffs with wins are Todd Gilliland and Sheldon Creed. Uh, Austin Hill is third, St. Smith fourth, Grand Infinger, Matt Crafton, Stuart Friesen, Carson Hosevar round out the playoff lineup. Chandler Smith, another rookie, 37 points behind Hosevar. So it's pretty cool to see those uh, two of the three rookies in the series battling up for the last playoff spot. Yeah, for sure. No, it's a, uh, it, it'll be interesting to follow all the way through. Obviously, I think that, I think that John Hunter's the, the favorite, you know, however you look at it. 
but it, it's not necessarily like he's just totally dominating. I think Ben Rhodes is right there and has shown that he can compete. So we'll see. And then you got some other guys that I think have, have run consistently well. Uh, one thing I did want to point out is kind of a bummer. Haley Deegan was running really well the whole race. She was, she was up in the top, top 10 or 12, the entire race. And she had an issue issue down the stretch. She had to pit and, and lost all of her track position. And so, She's back in 17th in the point standings. Now she's going to have to put together some good runs. But, I, you know, I'm impressed with her. I think I think she's great for the sport. I think she's a solid driver that's well-respected in the garage. And, and so I'm hoping she can continue to get better each week. And did they say what it was? So she came in for her normal pit stop, and then she had to come back around, and they were doing something else. But I didn't know what they, they – Yeah. Uh, I feel like she said something. It was obviously, you know, some sort of issue with – with the car i can't i can't remember exactly what she had said so that was the truck race and truck recap oh tire rub tire rub, rub. yeah that's not good no it's better than blowing a tire though yeah that's true so glad that she was able to get that fixed but unfortunately for her as you said she was running well but ended up with the 24th place finish the uh, truck series will be back on friday they are going to race at nashville they're the only one that's staying on Fox Sports. We'll get into that later. But uh, as we transition into the Xfinity race, which happened just about an hour after the truck race, we got things going. The biggest movers up before the competition caution, Kyle Busch up to second. Cendric moved up to third. And then Noah Gregson made his uh, presence known early on as he started near the back after his um, terrible finish last week uh, at Mid-Ohio. He moved up to 14th. Uh, but then Austin Sendrick kind of dominated the stage. He won his sixth stage of the season. Uh, Hemrick second, Kyle Busch third, Brandon Jones fourth, Justin Haley fifth. Yeah, uh, you know, Gregson was victimized by the by the mysterious uh, starting order uh, formula or whatever it is, but clearly had a strong car in those junior motorsports cars always are. Um, but it, I thought that stage one, and maybe this is just me and maybe it's the difference in the cars, but I thought, I thought that these guys were running a little bit more confidently around the track, navigating that traction compound a little bit better. And, and, you know, I heard this too, a little bit on the, on the deals. Like I said, a lot of guys kind of learning, I think a lot from the truck race and what worked and what didn't. And so it's kind of neat to see that play out in, in later races on days when there's multiple races. Yeah, and you could see that, you know, they could see where the trucks are running. They could see what the traction compound was doing. But I agree. I think they did uh, run a little bit more confidently. And we didn't really see uh, any cautions in the first stage. But once we got to the con or the uh, end of the stage, Cendric uh, had a bad pit stop and it knocked him back to fourth. Um, and that allowed Kyle Busch to gain the lead. And he took an early lead to open the stage as we opened up stage number two. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, after that stage, it looked like I think pretty much everybody pitted and, and gosh, who was the, who was the uh, 18 car? They switch out who drives the 18 car. Yeah. Sorry. Daniel Hemrick. Yeah. Hemrick. Hemrick actually came out and started. He had a good pit stop and, and came up there, but, uh, but you know, Kyle, no surprise, really strong in Texas in that 54 car. Um, but then in the 21st lap of the stage, it looked like Josh Berry kind of got into Jeb Burton a little bit there, brought out the caution, uh, which, you know, you mentioned it in the truck race. He was he, he was doing double duty for the day, but but two, two competitors in the Xfinity Series getting together relatively early there. Yeah, they kind of uh... – took Jeb out a little bit of uh, contention and it just looked like the, maybe the spotter didn't tell him that he was clear. Um, it just looked like it was something that could have been avoidable. As we said, it was like on the back stretch and then he just got into him trying to make a move. Yeah. It was also one of those ones he hit the inside wall and, you know, I, I'm not a driver, so I can't say anything about it, but he, it looked like something that he maybe took on a little more damage than he, than he needed to. He could have avoided it, but like I said, they're going so fast to Texas, it's it, it's hard to control it. But I mean, the eight the eight clearly came up on that rear on that left rear and, and took some air off of him. So I don't think necessarily the fault of the eight, uh, but one of those things. So Kyle Busch ended up winning the stage. He was followed by Daniel Hemrick, Austin Sendrick, Harrison Burton, and Noah Gregson. And again, Noah Gregson starting from the rear and it's just 
kind of hanging around, hanging around. It looked like uh, Junior Motorsports was going to have a really good day with him. They ended up finishing pretty well, but uh, especially once we got into the third stage with him, Mike and Lynette, and they were looking pretty strong. Yeah, maybe some some checkers alerts instead of some wreckers for, yeah. for Noah Gregson there moving up through the field pretty quickly. And then once we got to the final stage, this is where it got pretty exciting for me. They opened up the stage with uh, three wide racing. And then near the back of the field, uh, there was a wreck. It looked like it started off of turn four and culminated by the start finish line. It was Matt Mills, Landon Castle, Tanner Berryhill, and Greg Galding all involved. Berryhill and Galding were knocked out of the race. Uh, yeah, no, this was the, it, it was by far the most exciting the race had gotten up to this point. Um, and you could tell because track position is so important off that restart to start the stage, you could tell all those guys wanted to make up as much as they can really early there. Um, but, uh, but that being said, it, it results in more of this, but I, it was, it was fun to watch and it looked like they were all three, all three lines that, that were racing were, were, were moving around pretty good, just kind of depending on where you were. So. Yeah. And then with uh, 56 lap to go, Justin Allgaier, again, another uh, junior motorsports guy, uh, this is when they were doing their pitting, and it looked like he, he got out of his pit before Kyle Busch did, but Busch passed him on pit road. I'd really never seen that before, and then they uh, got into Allgaier's uh, communication, and he was basically asking, like, how the hell is he not speeding? Like, they, his tachometer was uh, set up a little bit differently, but he was able to pass him on pit road. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's one of those things Kyle Busch is just so good at and so experienced at, and it, it was strange watching because it looks like obviously he's got to be speeding, but I think it's also one of those things where if you, if you navigate and understand how they're, because the way they do the speeding on pit roads is their timing from when you cross a certain point, like there's timing loops or lines or whatever. So it's the amount of time from when you crossed one point to where you cross that next point. And if that point is, if you went faster in that point than the 55 or whatever it is. So there's ways that you can literally fly through a certain point, depending on when you had gone through it, as long as I'm not explaining this well, but as long as the math adds up. And, and I think that, I think it's one of those things where Kyle Bush just kind of didn't manipulate the system, but knew exactly where he was in the pits and was able to, was able to fly up in front and take advantage there without ever actually technically speeding. Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is you can go faster than 55 as long as it evens out and you went slower than 55 for an average of 55 through that timing zone, you know? Gotcha. A little bit more math than I thought we were going to talk about in this episode, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's why speedometers aren't necessarily the answer to the speeding on pit road thing. All right. Good to know. See, this is why we need you on more often. You're more than an average fan. No, no, no. I, I don't know what I'm talking about really, but I say a few words and they sound like I do. So, so, uh, Kyle Bush, uh, ended up restarting in first all, all was second, but all looked pretty strong and it looked like, Hey, like Bush isn't going to run away with this as all passes him with uh, 51 laps left. Yeah, I agree. And I was kind of surprised. You would think at this point that, 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 that it would be kind of Bush going up front. And if there's no cautions, it's, it's no contest, but, Allgaier looked really strong and, and, and was able to stick with him there. And uh, uh, Gregson kind of fell, fell back a little bit down the stretch, but, but all, all those cars up front were looking, were looking pretty good and it, and it never really got away from anyone there. I, I'd say everyone was in contention and had there been a late caution, I think anyone would have had a shot there. So. Well, and that's what we saw. I don't know how many restarts we had near the end. I think it was about three within like the last 25 ish laps. Yeah. Uh, and then the last two, uh, Brandon Jones didn't really help out Allgaier. We all, I thought the Allgaier had a really good chance, but we know how good Kyle Busch is on restarts. Kyle Busch had Austin Cendrick push him, who did a phenomenal job, but uh, I don't want to blame, you know, Allgaier not winning on Brandon Jones not helping him, but you could definitely tell that Cendrick helping out Kyle Busch was the reason why Kyle came away with the victory. Yeah, no, no question. Uh, and that's the name of the game. I mean, I think you see it in every level, but but I, I agree with you. I think that it could have gone differently if different guys helped. But everyone at this point, at that point, everyone's trying to do what's best for them. And Kyle, Kyle is the best at doing what's best for him. So, <laughs> so Kyle Busch won his 99th Xfinity race. And someone on this show uh, predicted Kyle Busch would win. So nice job to you, Luke. Again, looks like you know what you're talking about. No, and we really. actually believe that Kyle Busch is going to retire from Xfinity after he gets his 100th win. 
I don't think so. The dude loves to race and he loves to win, you know, uh, he, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's just going to feel like he hit a milestone and, and, uh, and, and call it quits. I think he just wants to keep going out there and dominating. And, and if he can, he's up, if he has an opportunity to, why not? Yeah. And then I don't know if you saw his interview on race day in between the races, but he, he kind of joked and he goes, I could have gone to a hundred a lot quicker if they didn't. In, uh, <laughs> it's true. It's yeah. true. So the Algar finished second, Austin Sindrick third, Daniel Hemrick fourth, Brandon Jones fifth, AJ Allmendinger sixth, Noah Gregson seventh, Brett Moffitt eighth, Justin Haley ninth, and Michael Annette uh, to round out the top 10. As we look at the point standings, 12 regular season races left. As we look at the playoff standings, Sendrick is first, Almendinger second, Allgaier third, Jeb Burton fourth, Mike Snyder fifth, and Josh Berry sixth. They are all in on wins. Uh, Daniel Hemrick is in seventh, followed by Harrison Burton, Haley, and Brandon Jones. The biggest jump was, well, I guess really the only jump was Noah Gregson, uh, John Michael Annette, and Jeremy Clements for 10th place, while Annette and Clements are tied for 11th and 12th in the final spot. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a, uh, that, that little area from, from, uh, probably eighth or I guess it's ninth to 12th is very tight. So it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out and, and, you know, probably, probably a win or two from one of those guys is going to be going to be necessary to get it done, but wouldn't be surprised. Like we said, to see Gregson pull off a win here before the playoffs to get in, lock himself in, but it, it's, it's going to be a tight little battle just to get in there. And luckily for those guys of uh, Annette and Clements, Brandon Brown is 24 points back in 13th, and then Riley Hurts is 51 points back, and he is in 14th. So they got a little bit of wiggle room, but with 12 races left, anything can really happen. And uh, Brandon Brown and Hurts could pull off a victory and really shake things up. Yeah, no question. It'll be interesting to see. So let's go to Sunday's All-Star Open. And to me, this was the most exciting race of the weekend we had about what 17 ish guys that were competing for three spots and then one of the remaining drivers would get in on the fan vote as you alluded to uh, earlier ross chastain had to start from the back due to mist shaped dots never ever that means yeah i've never heard that never seen that before but well they they sent his crew chief home yeah they ejected him yeah <laughs> if he had to be like escorted out by like security like how does that work or if he just puts his backpack on and walks <laughs> also how hard would it be for him to just like go up into the grandstands with the radio and still yeah. call the shots and you and just have a different voice and act like a different person you know <laughs> just put one of those glasses on with the fake mustache and just sort of yeah uh what's his name uh 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 the Mets the old Mets manager that did that after getting ejected yeah, um Shit, what's his name? He was the manager for the Red Sox. Really. Bobby Valentine. <laughs> That's an all-timer. <laughs> so as we got started in, we saw the uh, traction compound strike early as it took out uh, Bubba Wallace four laps and didn't completely eliminate him. He kind of spun around. He was able to save it. But as we saw that traction compound, and it's, uh, I don't know the right word for it. I forget what they used, but, you know, once it, it really wasn't settled in yet. And we saw uh, yeah, no, it wasn't. And, and and they kind of alluded to the fact that the heat, uh, the heat was playing a pretty major role in how the traction compound was behaving. And so, you know, I think we saw that a little bit into the Xfinity series as it had been out in the day and laps had been run and it got hotter. Um, but, but you could, this is where I could really tell, cause I was listening to Briscoe's radio the whole time. Like they were very, very uh, closely watching how everyone was handling it. Cause they didn't know if, if cars could even, handle going up into it at all or what would happen so no surprise there it, guys are the short nature of this open which i thought was really fun guys are going to be running running really aggressively and, and so uh not not shocking to see an issue like that yeah well and they said that the uh, track temperature was 145 degrees and larry max that was one of the hottest he had ever seen uh throughout his career so i thought that was interesting but you mentioned guys being aggressive and uh, Chris Busher got spun out on the restart by uh, a friend that we always like to call Recky Stenhouse, came into uh, turn three a little bit hot, got into the 15 car of Davidson and uh, spun out Busher. And effectively, okay. he came, we kind of saw him come back, but it, it essentially took him out. 
No, I mean, it's music to Ricky's ears. You tell him he's got, he's got a race and he doesn't have to worry about the point standings or anything like that. You better, you better believe he's going to go all out. So uh, kind of a bummer, kind of a bummer for Chris Buescher, but it's one of those deals in this thing. You're going to see a lot of it. And it sucked for him because he had to go back to the back because he jumped the green flag start, which you could do coming off a caution, but starting the race is where he got in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which that was kind of controversial because it, it almost looked like he didn't actually jump it. Like it looked like he was just reacting to, uh, to uh, the car beside him. I can't remember who that was, but, uh, but that, yeah, yeah. It, it was interesting that, that they went ahead and did that. So then on the third restart, we get uh, Eric Jones gets turned around on turns three and he gets into Suarez. Both of them are done for the day. Yeah, and and Chase Briscoe was also victimized by this deal. He 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 took on some left rear damage there. But uh, bummer for bummer for Suarez. It looked like the forty three just. I don't know if he was tight or if or if he was victimized by the PJ one as well. But he just ran. He ran really high up the racetrack there, into the fort into the left rear of the fourteen, and and he spun and ninety nine had nowhere to go, which is a bummer. I. I I kind of found myself rooting for Suarez a little bit, but he seems like a very likable guy. Like when they do interviews, like we texted about that, like, you know, it's cool that when guys are, you know, very genuine and they're not just, you know, vomiting their sponsorships, like during their interviews. And I think Daniel Suarez is one of those guys that seems like one of those guys that you could just go have like a beer with or hang out with them and he'd be a fun time. Yeah, no question. I get that. I get that impression from him also, which, you know, some of these younger guys, it's, they kind of think they're, they're too cool for school or something like that. You don't get that at all with him. So I agree. I, I hope they, I hope he can continue to improve and that 99 team can, can keep getting better. So then we see Ross Chastain again, who came back from all the way back. He ends up winning the stage. He passed Tyler Reddick, who was pretty dominant throughout the stage and it was about two or three laps left is when uh, Chastain made his move and was able to win the stage. Yeah. It's something we've seen uh, through the Xfinity race. And then obviously in stage one here, cars were, cars were very capable of running up from the back and, and passing, passing a lot in a short period of time. But I mean, for him to come all the way up and win the stage was really impressive. And you could tell they had a, they had a really strong car. And the, he was one of those guys where they interviewed him after he won, just seemed very genuine, like very excited to be there and, you know, not just thanking McDonald's and all that crap, but I mean, he seemed genuinely excited. And I, I was rooting for him in the all-star race, but he was able to get in uh, by winning the uh, first stage. Yep. Yep. Good for him. Stage two, to me, no real excitement, especially not as what we saw in the first stage. Tyler Reddick led the whole way, kind of held off Eric Amarola late, but he was able to win and get in. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we started getting to the point where, with the 43 and the 99 out, the 14 damaged, the, there were not many cars left in the open that, that probably had a real real shot to win these stages. And so uh, no surprise to see Reddick pull that one out. And then going into stage three, uh, it was kind of the same deal, Almirola. Almirola was leading leading all the way through stage three and ended up getting in. So that was two of my three uh, choices to, to make it in on. Been. Yeah, there you go. And then... Uh, Kind of cool, kind of cool at the end after Almarola wins the stage, they go right to Matty D on the in-car, uh, in-car audio and, and Boyer, Boyer ended up telling him that he had made it in on the fan vote, which he did not know. Again, another genuine reaction that was pretty cool. Cause like when he first did that, I'm thinking Matty D's got to be like, why the hell do these guys want to interview me? I finished second, <laughs> but not in. So I, I feel like he kind of had to have like some inclination of what was going on, but I thought it was pretty cool. Good for Wood Brothers and them getting in. Yeah, no, I thought the whole thing was cool. And that Boyer's so good with stuff like that, man. The guy's never worked in TV or anything until this year, and he handles himself really well, and he has a lot of fun. But he also, you know, he just, like the way he handled that was really cool. So yeah. going to miss him. Yeah, But, uh, I mean, the, the cool thing about Boyer is, like, yeah, he's having fun, but he's also really good at, like, telling what's going on. But, like, every time they do the driver interview, he's like, hey, man, it's Boyer up in the boat. You got me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then the guys are always like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> yeah. The uh, one note about stage three, and granted, it was only 10 laps, and they have no complaints with how the open went, but it would have been interesting to see if they had about 10 more laps because you had guys like uh, Busher and Briscoe who were on some a little bit fresher tires after they uh, pitted after they were involved in, like, their spin-outs or accidents. And it, I think they could have caught up to them, but the tire wear didn't really seem to play much of a factor. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I think, I think it would have gotten pretty interesting if, if it had been maybe a 15 to 20 lap final stage instead of just 10, because like you said, uh, I mean, I follow the 14 closer, but, but Briscoe was flying back uh, and he was making up ground really quickly. And, and, so I think there were a couple cars there that had fresher tires that maybe could have made something happen. But that's also, you know, that's yeah. that's part of the deal and part of part of stage racing. I mean, Amarola was up front and, and had the opportunity there. So, and the good thing about uh, Amarola is good to see him. Some uh, he's had some terrible luck this year. It was good for him to get in and hopefully they can uh, build off some of that momentum that we saw. But it was it's good to see him finally happy and not having like a sad interview. Just like, yeah, man, it's another race or. Something went wrong with the engine or anything like that. So good for Amarola to get in. And then uh, we get to the all-star race. And in the introductions, you and I were texting about this. I was a little disappointed and surprised that Kyle Busch didn't come out with a rowdy energy drink. And then I was also very disappointed Kevin Harvick didn't come out with a Bush light. Yeah. The Bush light, I guess maybe NASCAR could have said, like, don't come out holding a beer. Although when you have a beer's name plastered all over your car and your body, I don't think holding a beer is, is a big deal. More surprised about the rowdy energy, yeah. Kyle Bush, But I, I, I enjoyed the little – it's always kind of fun when they do those. And they do them a little differently every year for the All-Star race, but but kind of kind of neat. And it, nothing pisses – like, one of my biggest pet peeves whenever Kyle Bush gets interviewed is, like, whenever the person's asking a question, he always, like, takes a drink of his rowdy energy. Yes, he does. And, and sometimes kind of grimaces because it tastes so bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, you've had it. I haven't had it, but you don't, you don't like it. You're not a big rowdy energy guy. Yeah, it's actually – it's. I mean, I guess it's not horrible, but it's definitely not good. It's not something I would voluntarily drink again. Yeah. But. So then uh, before the race started, Sammy Hagar got the crowd pumped up. And uh, he So I was confused uh, because they they the the booth guys almost sounded like they were caught off guard or not expecting Sammy Hagar's performance to be like literally that close to the green flag. Yeah. But it was it was for sure like it was obviously planned out that way because he literally finished as they were coming down the front stretch down the front stretch and they threw the green flag. So it was kind of cool. I loved it. I got me. Fired. Yeah, the, and the, the crowd was fired up. I'm sure the fans at home were were, were screaming. So, if I had a bush light, I would have chugged whatever I had left in my can. Yeah, I, I'm kind of disappointed you didn't have to take notes. So, you got <laughs> your mind sharp. But uh, one lap into the All Star race, and Chris Bell spins out and didn't really get touched, and it didn't look like he was in the traction compound. Just got a little bit loose, uh, but that brought out the first caution. And the one thing I liked about uh, the open and the all-star race is that the, they didn't count the yellow flag laps. Uh, yeah, I, I liked that too. Uh, I think it's a good feature. You can't do it in truck series or something like that because yeah. the race will just go on forever. But, but I agree in this, like when it's a set structure like this, you might as well run the laps that you're, that are scheduled to run. We saw some uh, excitement back and forth. It was Kyle Larson and Kyle Busch. Um, going back and forth, but Larson was able to pull away and come away with the victory uh, in stage one. And then they do the random draw, which was confusing to me the whole time. Uh, but the number drawn at the end of stage one was 12. And then that's where we see Ryan Blaney uh, take over the lead as we head into stage two. Yeah, honestly, I did not understand the ran the random draw or the inversion thing until it actually was executed. Like I read about it maybe five times and it still didn't make sense to me. But then I understood why they were doing that. So yeah, kind of made it a little bit interesting, but I think it was a little too hard to follow along. But in stage two, Ryan Blaney uh, led the whole way after it was inverted and was never really challenged. He came away with the victory in stage two. Yeah, yeah. It, the, the cool thing about this with all the stages and the inversions and stuff is there were various different points in the race when different cars looked like they were kind of the car to beat or they were a lot stronger. But in reality, it kind of shows you how important track position is that when you're up there, you can kind of stay up there. So then we saw Kyle Larson struggled to get past some cars once he was kind of pushed to the back or in the middle. Yeah. Of yeah. And, and that is another thing too, is that the nature of this with the open and all these different short stages, a lot of these cars are so much stronger on long runs than they are on short runs. And it, it takes, you know, 30, 40 laps for them to really get, for them to really get rolling. And so, you know, maybe some races that never happens, but in a normal race, it probably would. Well, then stage three, after the random draw, we saw Alex Bowman uh, jump out to the front and he pretty much led the whole way and won stage three. 
Yep, sure did. And then stage four, I didn't take notes. I must have blacked out or something. I wasn't drinking. So, Mom, if you're listening, I stayed sober. But I didn't take any notes. I don't really know what happened. Uh, I was just getting ready for the uh, mandatory pit stops and seeing who was going to win the hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, I too was was uh, was distracted by the excitement of the mandatory pit stops coming up and and figuring out who was going to win that. But I'm sure stage four was was fun and entertaining. But I have no insight to add either. So as we got to stage five, uh, and they never really specified. I thought it was like going to be at the end of stage five, and all the cars would have to come in and do their mandatory pit stops, but it was, you could come in at any point in the stage, but you had to get four tires and fuel. And they like reviewed all the video, like the tire changers were wearing cameras, making sure the lug nuts were like spot on, which is weird because they don't usually do that. But uh, seven cars came into pit on the first lap. So you could win a hundred thousand. And then it didn't really affect anything. Those guys never really made a move, but they just wanted the clean pit road. Um, and then Austin Dillon came in a couple laps later, he got caught speeding and he was kind of up near the front, but that essentially ended his day. Yeah. So the one, the one thought I had during all this, because I, I picked up on the fact that they could come in during that kind of window, whenever they wanted to pick, uh, it had to be green flag, obviously, but that I didn't understand the, the guys that pitted with larger groups of other cars. Like if, if it were me as a driver, I feel like I would want to come in on my own where I'm not being, you know, where, where there's not a risk of somebody pitting in the stall in front of me or behind me or something like that. It's just wide open. We can come in and run it the way we want to. But uh, I thought it was interesting. I mean, most of the teams, I think, pitted together, the Hendrick cars and the Penske cars and the Gibbs cars pitted together. So that was kind of interesting. Well, uh, Chase Elliott's crew uh, won the bonus $100,000. Um, Chase Elliott also ended up winning the stage. It looked like I was going to get some BOGO wings. Pretty excited. But again, we saw Hendrick Motorsports looking dominant as Chase won, and then he was followed by uh, William Byron and Kyle Larson. Uh, yeah, no, things were things were starting to look towards the end of stage five. Like every race, it seems like, has looked for the past however many races where Hendrick was just jumping up ahead and dominating everybody. Uh, so... They got something really good going on right now, and and uh, like it has been going, it came to fruition down the stretch here. Yeah. So Chase Elliott started out front uh, to start the ten lap shootout to end the race. Uh, he got passed by Kyle Larson about a lap and a half in, and then uh, Larson and Kizel, uh battle it out for the last eight laps. And while Kislowski was in third, Chase and Kyle Larson were kind of battling for first and second. Kozlowski passed both of them, but he couldn't really clear them. And then after that, he couldn't really get close enough to challenge Larson. Yeah, and it was it was interesting because he 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 was right there, and and they kind of talked about it too. I don't know if he was mad at his spotter, but you know, obviously his spotter never said clear, clear. And there was a point when maybe he was clear and could have cut him off. And if we're in the All Star race, like, do you even have to be a hundred percent clear before you kind of <laughs> go up there to try and cut him off anyway? Um, so surprised that Keselowski didn't just do it surprised that the spotter didn't go out a little more on the limb and maybe after they watch film that they, they may have some constructive criticism for the spotter but I thought Keselowski could have closed the door and, and probably resulted in Larson losing a little bit of momentum too yeah. uh, but you know even after Larson took the lead back Keselowski was right there he just couldn't couldn't quite couldn't quite get up enough yeah he was always like 0.3 seconds left and he was really good uh, coming off turns one and two to like kind of get in on the inside. Yep. Larson was just so much faster on the backstretch that he could never really uh, fully close the gap. So Larson won the million dollars and it was his second all-star race victory because Lasky finished second, Chase Elliott third, Joey Logano fourth, and Ryan Blaney fifth. So the uh, Penske car is doing pretty well. Yeah, yeah I mean they're not they're obviously not up where the Hendrick cars are but a really encouraging day I think for the Penske cars so so my overall thoughts and I don't know we never really talked about um what you thought or you know we haven't really conversed about that to me it was kind of boring and hard to follow along I thought the most exciting part of the day was the first stage first two stages of the open I don't know the best way to fix it for NASCAR but to me it was it was too hard to follow along with what all they were trying to do and like the cumulative finishes and things like that was hard to keep up with. Uh, yeah, I, I generally agree, but at the same time, 
I, I like the way they structured it because it's different and you might as well do as much as you can to make this all-star race different. But as a fan, you know, I, it was very difficult to keep up with. It was difficult to know like, okay, is what my driver did there, was that the right move or is he in a good position for the next stage? Or like, you know, at the end of the day, you just want to be, up, you want to be up front for that stage six. And so uh, it was a little too much and too many short runs and not, you know, it, it was just a little, it was a little too much, but. And I don't know how they did it at the speedway, but luckily Fox kept throwing up a graphic of like, Hey, here's how they would start in lap six, like the finishes and yeah, showed like the leaderboard. But it, I feel like as a fan, like if we were at the race, it'd be even more hard to figure out who was kind of winning and kind of seeing where everybody was at. Like the one idea that I had, I think I talked to you about it was, I mean, keep the five stages, but then the winner of the, the winners of the five stages, kind of like how it was in the open. So like Kyle Larson wins the first stage. All right. So he's done until stage six. And then you kind of take the stage winners and then you have a five car, 10 lap shootout. And then the winner of those stage winners gets a million bucks. Cause I mean, yeah. with those 10 laps, if you're not in first three rows, maybe, maybe just even the first two rows, you're probably not going to win. Oh, I, I think that's a, actually a great idea. And it's something I could see, I could see them gathering, but I mean, the whole point generally of stages should be the excitement of trying to stay up front and win the stage. And so if you bring that aspect to it, I think that would actually be super, super cool. Um, because at this point, like, okay, yeah, you got five stages before stage six, but did it really matter that you won any of them, you know? Yeah, like, you know, Bowman won stage three, but he ended up finishing eighth or ninth, I think. Might have been. Yeah. So, I mean, he won the stage, but never really did anything um, after that. The other thought that I had was it was sad to see uh, Fox's coverage of Xfinity and the Cup Series is gone for the year. They'll still cover the Truck Series. And it was a little sad when they were doing their race day and they were talking about their favorite moments of the year. I really like uh, the Fox crew. I think they all do a really good job. I love Jeff Gordon and uh, Clint Boyer up in the booth. Um, Larry Mack, you know, I love, you know, Jamie Little, all those guys. Um, I'm optimistic that NBC can be okay. I'm not the biggest fan of them, but I think it's just because I like Fox a lot more. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, you know, I, I'm also optimistic that NBC can continue to get better. Fox has been doing it for so long and they've got such a good system. Uh, and then Mike Joy holds it all together really well. And, and Jeff and Clint have just been awesome uh, for S color guys. Um, but, you know, the, the crew at NBC is not bad. You know, Rick Allen, Rick Allen is pretty good. Uh, he's different than Mike Joy, but he's pretty good. I think, you know, hopefully Jeff Burton can continue to get better. He's obviously newer at it. And so so with Burton and then having Dale Jr. and Steve Letard, I think Steve Letard is really good. I think Dale Jr. is a fan favorite. And obviously it's fun to hear his insight. But, you know, NBC doesn't lack talent. Uh, Dale Jarrett, Kyle Petty. Are there also so you know we'll see may hopefully them having more time under their belts they, they put out a, a better product and it's not like what they've done is bad it's just different and yeah. I, I think part of why you tune in why you watch is is that maybe nostalgic feeling a little bit or something like that so i i'm bummed too but but hopefully nbc does a good job it'll be interesting to see if uh, jeff gordon does leave the fox booth to go back to hendrick i don't know if that's officially been announced i think it's just rumors yeah, I don't think it's been announced. Uh, and, and Jeff didn't, you know, Jeff didn't allude to anything down the stretch, which, you know, maybe he would have if it were something definitive. But but I, I would be curious to see what Fox would do next year is if they would if they would just go Mike and, and Clint or if they would bring in another color guy. I think it helps a lot over the long the longness of a race to have to have three guys up there instead of two. But and the next cup series race that we'll see on Fox will be the uh 2022 Daytona 500 in the next gen car, so that would be pretty exciting. Yeah, uh, no question. I'm I am looking forward to that. So up next, we are heading to Nashville Super Speedway. The Cup guys will be racing in the Ally 400. It will be 300 laps, and we will have practice on Saturday and qualifying on Sunday. So be <laughs> How about that? <laughs> They're actually doing that. That's really how excited we get with the practice and qualifying. So I'm looking forward to them being back in. Uh, Nashville. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm curious to watch a, at a new place. And when was the last time, when was the last time they raced in Nashville? So it's been quite a while, right? Yeah. 
and then uh, I haven't done my homework yet. That'll be for Friday's episode. Yeah, yeah. Not to get too far ahead of ourselves. Yeah. This is just a recap episode, of course. Yeah. So then the other big news, Luke Combs going to be performing before the Daytona 500 next year that they announced, which they acted like it was like this big announcement. Like, okay. I mean, I, I do like Luke Combs. Like, so. I mean, so do I, but like it's it walks away. Like. <laughs> they got nothing else. They'd rather talk about that than the upcoming truck race they're going to cover. So. <laughs> yeah. so that will do it for our all-star race recap. Uh, Thomas will rejoin myself, me, myself, my mom will correct me on that, uh, on Friday as we preview the three races in Nashville. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Loose Lug Nuts Pod or on Instagram at Loose Lug Nuts Podcast. Luke will be taking uh, Friday's episode off and then he will rejoin and uh, grace everybody with his presence the following recap, uh, Nashville and the preview for the following race. For Luke, I am Evan. We thank you guys for listening. We will see you on Friday as we preview Nashville Super Speedway. Goodbye. I grew up in Texas where football was my game. Until that racing fever started burning in my brain. I started running many stops when I was 13. And won a short track championship when I was just 16. I met a man named Harry Hyde, he built a car for me. Sponsored by Granddaddy Hillen's Drilling Company. We ran in five Grand Nationals when I was 17. My Talladega finish was the start of my big dream. Thank you for the ride, Harry Hyde. And I'm glad I had Granddaddy on my side. given me the brakes I must admit she smiled a bit but it's me that runs the race now you can't be a champion due to luck or circumstance I'll do the best I can for those who've given me the chance thank you for the ride Harry High and now I've got stubbles on my side you've given me my wings now it's up to me to fly